Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of oh my Tension God. Turns. You're still doing it. Still keeping up with the numbers. I'm. That's See, that's my best guess, because it has been a while since we've recorded one of these. Took a little break, yeah. Approximately two weeks we're taking off uh, for a variety of things, uh, but we appreciate you guys sticking in with us, because mm-hmm. we're back. Yes. And we're going to talk about some things that somewhat relate generally to video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, occasionally, um, and then if the we rest have of the to. time, yeah, we're just gonna prank phone call Pac-Man machine people. Can you, oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. Okay, it took me a second to figure out what you meant by that, and then I remembered that we tried to figure out. I had a friend actually who what's that big uh, thing they do at PAX where like a bunch of random PAX attendees get drafted into this big oh uh, the Omega Knot is that yeah Omega Thon yeah Omegathon. so he a buddy of mine got drafted into Omega Thon at PAX East this year and uh, battle. Battle Royale, Pac-Man Battle Royale was one of the games they uh, they had for the finale. Oh, so you're telling me there was one there that I could have stolen instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, oh, because you were there too. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that real quick? Do you want to talk about our respective PAX and GDC experiences? Yeah, so let's actually, let's start chronologically All right. with you. Because GDC, so what happened is, and this happens every year, and yet every year, uh, both GDC and, well, not so much PAX organizers because they don't really care, but the GDC organizers always come out and say, we're so sorry this will never happen again. It will never be GDC Monday through Friday, PAX Friday through Sunday. And it always happens. This uh, is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the most severe overlap. Like, I, I don't, have they ever actually just touched like this before? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that last year it was PAX Friday, Saturday, Sunday, GDC Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Jesus. Which isn't as bad because they're not overlapping a full day. Mm-hmm. But uh, this still. time, like, it, it affected GDC and PAX attendance, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, there were, like, people rushing to set up their booths at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. I saw a lot of tweets from people who were on flights from San Francisco to Boston, and it was, like, all press and indie devs and PR people crammed on a plane trying to make this very specific flight at this very specific time. Basically, the PAX Express red mm-hmm. eye from San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's start with GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference held yeah. in San Francisco. You went to that because you're sure a game did. developer. I am the number one game developer of them all. I make the coolest and best games, and I love it when people uh, play them and sell them and buy them. Okay. Um, no, it was it was a fun GDC. I had a good time. I uh, I don't know. I this is my first time being at a GDC as like an actual dedicated full time real press guy. I'll be at a new one and a video focused one so i think it was a little more relaxed than like the people who are rushing to panels and then rushing to the newsroom to write stories and rushing back to panels again i didn't have that experience yeah um it was more like booking appointments uh wandering the floor to see what was interesting uh just meeting like game developers at weird coffee shops so they could open their laptops and show me their games um yeah just mostly like picking up like trying to figure out who would be down to let us make a video and then making that video i went to a nintendo appointment where i got to play box boy that sounds like a Nintendo game. Yeah, it's uh, it's by Hal Labs, who you may know as the Kirby people, and, and for uh, a long time the Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, I know uh, I've seen that logo probably a couple thousand times. Mm-hmm. Hal, Hal Labs is phenomenal, and this game is like a minimalist eShop game that we didn't know was coming to America until we wanted into this event, and they were like, "Hey, look, it's Box Boy in English." Which I mean, it's a type of game that doesn't need to be in English, but. The ability to buy it on the eShop on a region-locked system like the 3DS is a real joy. But it's like this... It's a minimalist puzzle game, pretty much just black and white with a little bit of red. Um, You're a little box with eyes. 
uh, and you poop out these boxes and you can kind of change the shape of the boxes that these boxes are the same size as you but they're also coming out of you and you can like make shapes come out of you of boxes and then you use those shapes you poop them out and you throw them and use them to platform about okay so you poop things and then you make them into platforms Uh uh-huh and it's funny we were talking to nintendo like hey how much of a struggle was it in localizing this like what word did you try to use for the verb of like what you're doing and the guy told us, like, hey, we, we wanted actually to use the word squat, and Nintendo <laughs> came back to us and was like, you can't say squat. So, I don't know what they landed on, but you could produce these boxes. Produce, yeah. Um, the, char- the character you're playing is, his name is QB, um, which I was like, oh, that's a weird name. And then they're like, you know, because it's like Kirby, but he's a square instead of a circle. Mm. And I was like, ah, alrighty. Okay, Nintendo's literally making a game off of a pun. More or less, yeah. Um, but it's really, really cool. It's really straightforward and like just polished all the hell and is cute and is just a neat idea. I've never really seen a puzzle platformer like it exactly. It's just one idea executed really well. Um, Interesting. So it's a 3DS game? Yes, yeah. I We put a video on Polygon of like 10 minutes of us playing it and you, you'll pretty much get the idea within about 15 seconds. But getting to see some of those later puzzles and sort of the weirder mechanics they throw in. Like having to poop out a box and then hold it over your head to protect you from a laser. Okay. That's the thing you have to do. Laser deflecting poops. Mm-hmm. I see. And to be clear, they don't they don't look like poops. They look like boxes. They look like you, yeah. Oh, oh, because you're also a box. You're a cube boy. You are a cube boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. This game sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, at least on like, uh, I like games where you poop things and throw them at things. Like what? And what I else? like platform. Um... There's a lot of them, okay. There's, I don't yeah. have time to get into this whole subgenre of this poop list. games. Yeah, that's think, a separate podcast. I'm sure you can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a separate podcast. Uh, so I've still been on the hunt for a new 3DS. Oh, yeah. Wait, is that still a struggle? Yeah, so I say on the hunt because apparently I've been looking around for two and a half weeks and mm. been like, man, they must be selling out like crazy. But no, there's actually just a port strike, so no new 3DSs have gotten in to Washington State, which is funny considering i'm literally 10 minutes away from nintendo headquarters yeah just walk over there that's yeah like actually though like the target guy i finally was like yo dog what the hell is up with these 3ds's like you clearly aren't selling out of them this quickly unless you have a a bunch of weirdos like me constantly checking target and gamestop he's like oh no we haven't gotten any since uh they released i said wow that seems like some information i would have liked to know before instead of checking these stores every single day so uh that's yeah, I interesting think, i remember re- i read about that somewhere i think nintendo made an announcement saying like hey there's a port strike it's super silly uh and makes me wonder why they haven't just like sent them to la and like started shipping them ups ground places it's probably expensive but i want a new 3ds yeah, I'm going to be in L.A. this week, and I'm going to try and hit up some uh, some stores to try and find one. Because right now, so in my travels over the past couple of weeks, I've had my 3DS with me. And every single time I try to use it, it's dead. Because I have the super old one, and for some reason, I think uh, since I left it in that cradle, I don't know if you remember when they first came out with the 3DS, yeah. they had a cradle. I think that since I left it in there for like two years probably without touching it, the battery is just like shot. Oh wait, was it plugged in? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, it seemed like not a smart call, but I didn't know what was happening until now, 
when uh, I can play for about 15 minutes, close it, and then check it an hour later and it's dead. So that's unfortunate, but once I get uh, can find one of those cube boy sounds like uh, a poop game i would be interested in yeah yeah i'm i'm definitely excited for that um i just played a game called i guess this is weird because i i'm realizing now we didn't do an episode around the time of gdc and pax maybe we yeah. just talk about those games like, yeah i mean that's kind of what i have on on the docket for today cool so i mean yeah my my favorite game i saw out of gdc then would probably be a game called thumper have i talked about thumper oh no, but I've I've seen some stuff on this. Talk about it. Talk so about it. So Thumper is a game that I had no idea existed at all. Uh, I got a pretty unassuming email in my inbox, and I, as you know, I have any email with the word rhythm game in the subject line or body just forwarded straight to my inbox, and everything else goes to the trash because all I care about is rhythm games. Um, but this game uh, touted itself as a rhythm violence game, um, but it's not violence like video game violence. It's just like violence in terms of it how do i put this it's the most one of the most stressful games i've ever played in my life it's a it's a pretty straightforward uh rhythm game where you're a beetle moving down a a really really fast moving terrifying highway almost akin to like i guess like audio surf but to to compare it to audio surf would be to reduce the intensity sure. of thumper and it's this game where, like, uh, they, they said it's these two dudes, uh, former harmonics dudes, actually. One guy no longer works there. He lives in Korea. The other guy still works there part-time and is actually the bassist of the noise rock band Lightning Bolt. Um, these two dudes have been working on this game on and off for, like, five years. And um, I've seen footage of what it used to look like. It has changed a lot. But basically what it is is it's the prettiest, scariest rhythm game I've ever played in my life. Like, it is so intense visually and sonically it's the most this thumping really like brutal music combined with these really sort of psychedelic visual that almost look like there's a movie called enter the void if you've seen the the trailer for enter the void uh this game is like playing the trailer to enter the void it's i think it's probably the prettiest game that i've seen in the past year at least um i'll send you a link just so you can like try and describe it uh to people because i'm struggling but it's it really made a strong impression on me. It just made me feel sweaty and weird right away and just is just really memorable. Did they um, slip you drugs, Nick? It felt like it, honestly. <laughs> um, and yeah, hold on. Let me, I'll just shoot you a link real quick. But it's, it's really something. And um, yeah, so it was actually nominated for uh, some award during the IGF Awards. I think it was like best in audio design or something, which makes a hell of a lot of sense when you see it and hear it. Uh, and I kind of bugged them about letting me capture some footage because there's no gameplay footage out there on the internet at all. Uh, and they let me they let me do it. They were very gracious. And uh, so I was able to make this short video that kind of illustrates what this game is. And I think like after 12 seconds of the video, you will immediately know why I am so obsessed with it it's yeah so i've actually i've i watched this video yeah uh, a, a week or two ago maybe uh whenever, whenever you first put it up and uh it everything looks very shiny and metallic and almost like an ellie golding album cover yeah uh and yet you are like a beetle racing down a boy scout slot track it almost reminds me there's a tumblr artist named mr div um and he's the guy who did like he did the no man's sky logo he does a bunch of stuff Ooh. that's like this dark neon like you said like glossy but also very colorful, chromatic, dark. Chromatic, yeah. It's 
yeah it's um I, I, that's a good way of putting it it's like a beetle on like a hot wheels track yeah um but these these, these turns come up uh, and you so basically the, the the thing that stuck with me most from meeting these dudes was they said they wanted to make a rhythm game where rather than being based on hitting the beat and hitting the notes exactly right, it's about the intervals. So uh, for example, like you'll come to a corner. It's so hard to communicate like verbally, but like a corner will come and you kind of hear it. There's like a call and response aspect to it, sort of like rhythm heaven, where if you're listening to the music, you can hear ahead of time what the pattern is that you need to execute and then uh it's almost the other thing in the email that stood out to me was that they compared it to f-zero which i kind of get yeah because there's this mechanic of holding down a to enter this sort of boost slash shield mode um and when you go around corners you have to be holding a and a direction for it to actually work otherwise you take damage and then eventually explode and die um yeah i uh it's it's really it stuck with me i couldn't stop thinking about it like for a week after i played it i've just been watching this footage and listening to the, the music from it which is incredible yeah this game's real pretty uh and that's kind of like probably the first thing that stands out to you especially when watching a video where someone might be talking over it uh is that you see these visuals and like that's what your attention is drawn to mm-hmm. uh and this almost reminds me somewhat of what i wanted to see from something that i saw at pax which was the Harmonix VR. It is very much one of those, like, and this has been like a trend over, I'd say the last year or so, is like people are like, hey, we have this cool engine, uh, sit here and look at like a very like Disneyland style ride through uh, something specific, right? So like, I don't think it was actually done by Unreal, but actually done by like some sort of group that they were like, hey, this is really cool. We should put this in our booth. Um, And they are basically just that like Disneyland rides. But the Harmonix VR thing was interesting because... Uh, it was a really neat idea of using VR to basically give you a visualizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, my my brother actually has used it. I haven't used it, but he went to Harmonix when he was in Boston a few months back to check it out. And they actually, they set it up with uh, one of his songs, oh. which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the idea is that the way it works from what I've heard from him actually is that if you stare at a particular element of the environment, like the sky or something, it'll kind of lock into that, and then that part will start reacting more to the music and evolving. Is that the idea? Yeah, so if I don't know if you played Fantasia Music Evolved at all. A little uh, bit. Okay, which I don't blame you if you didn't. Uh, but in part of that game, you sort of expand the environment by like looking for little keys. Like it may be like, oh, you're sitting at this beach, which is an example from the demo. Uh, and there's a flower, and if you stare at the flower... Uh, it like zooms in on the flower and the flower starts to be visualized in front of you in sort of this really pretty uh, psychedelic way. Um, but I don't know, understand really if it was the song that I chose, which um, was a song that I hadn't really heard of before. But uh, what at least what I was expecting is it to do this sort of uh, Fantasia or rock band style thing where like you focus on one thing for a little while and then you focus on something else. But it was kind of like, it brought this flower up and I was like, Oh wow, that's really pretty. And it started like twirling around for 30 seconds. And then it did that for two and a half more minutes. Uh, and so I don't know, like it was a really neat idea uh, that I hope like if they could flesh it out maybe and like, you know, put that up on whatever VR store, uh, storefront is going to be available when those things finally hit sort of public acceptance. It could be a really neat thing to be like, Hey, I do want to experience this new album like your brothers. Uh, why don't I do this and like actually have it be some sort of interactive thing that I can remember just beyond the music and cues of the music itself. Do you, okay. So I remember when this, 
project was announced, and they didn't say what it was, but I remember the day that Samsung Gear VR got announced, they said they had like a list of developers they were collaborating on like with, and one of them was Harmonix. And I was kind of hoping it would be something gamier, maybe. Yeah, so um, this is it. Right. Uh, yeah. Do you get the sense of whether you need, like, is it like um, Rock Band or something where they, they pre-write the notes to work with it or like is it adaptive could you load in any song and just have it automatically work yeah so i asked about that uh and they said oh these are the songs that we have right now okay uh, so it's not like they they had a uh harmonics has done stuff like that before yeah like uh, there was a game called phase for the ipod that i was a really big fan of where it would just take your music and load it into a a really really rudimentary three button rhythm game yeah and it worked decently well like the beat detection was solid and it, it pretty much lined up nicely it was like it was, it was fun i'd love to see them do something like that again sometime well and that's the thing is i think that's what they will do i just think that this is what they were like i think it was legitimately one of the times where they were like oh this is what we have and vr is like such an early thing that it's not like here's what we have and this business plan we have around about this thing that we can't sell yet is blank i think it was legitimately just like well this is what we've done so far uh it would I would be highly skeptical that they would put something out where you buy each track because who the hell would do that? I, it's Yeah, I, I can't imagine that being marketable. At the same time, there's a part of me that thinks an authored VR music video experience would be a lot more effective than like a algorithmic one, right? Um, there's a Kickstarter right now for a game that... Uh, God, I can't remember who's making it, but uh, Vert, the guy who did the Shovel Knight soundtrack um is is contributing music to it and i think he's actually the forefront of it but uh basically it's a a uh vr centric music video thing where he's coded all the music and stuff uh to work in unreal engine 4 and you kind of look around and it's it's very roller coastery not totally unlike the harmonics thing um but yeah it that seems like uh kind of a cool thing they, they're really careful to uh to explain in the kickstarter that like you don't need a headset to do it but it's like um you can play it on a monitor obviously with like a mouse but it's kind of built for uh being like a vr experience um but it seemed really cool let me i'm gonna i'm gonna try to find it just so i can get the name right um but yeah it's a, that's a pretty neat idea i don't know yeah, it was kind of cool uh, at the same time. While I was at their booth, I actually played Amplitude for the first time, which is uh, just while we're on rhythm, game, rhythm games. Uh, really interesting for me because I've totally never played that game before. Uh, and so you can see, because they're basically, while they aren't just remaking and like remastering the old game, like they kind of are, right? In the same way that it's like, it's very much like a service to their fans. Uh, and it's like crazy to see how much the influences of that game's factored into modern modern rhythm games yeah did you ever play uh rock band blitz yeah i mean they're pretty much the same thing yes um but i think amplitude is way more fun yeah and also it's it's just a little bit more aesthetically interesting i think yeah you're um, a rocket ship firing lasers at things yes right to break notes and that's super cool so i don't know what was the environment you played in right like like could you hear the music yeah i had headphones on so the the version i played was the build I had back in like November that they were showing off in San Francisco was like very much, um, it's all original music that they're showing. Oh yeah. 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 This and it's too. all female vocalists and, um, the vocalists are apparently kind of the 
protagonists. Like there's kind of a story that's being told through the music and song titles and lyrics. Um, and it's about like these scientists who are one scientist gets jacked into a VR thing and then can't get out and they're trying to go in and rescue her. And I think that's, but I, I kind of dig that idea though of telling the narrative just through the music in a rhythm game. That's yeah. pretty unprecedented. Is that how it was for the original Amplitude also, that it wasn't licensed tracks? No, the original Amplitude was uh, kind of like the first Guitar Hero in that there was a lot of licensed music and a lot of music that's actually just harmonics employees under different names. Okay. But no, there was like a, it was weird though, because it was like David Bowie and P.O.D. and uh, like Garbage. The band Garbage. Okay. Um, it was a really like strange kind of eclectic mix of stuff. Um, and th- there will be sort of licensed stuff in here. I remember because I, I backed the Amplitude Kickstarter. I was a huge fan of Frequency and Amplitude. And they announced on there that it's going to have like music from George and Jonathan and uh, Anawanaguchi, I think. Uh, and just uh, really great music like that. So I'm, I'm excited. Oh, uh, I think C418. Is that his name? The yeah. guy who did Minecraft? He's doing yeah. stuff for it. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. By the way, that game I mentioned earlier is called Nuren, N-U-R-E-N, or The New Renaissance. Um, and oh, okay. Yeah. It is totally Jake Kaufman versus the guy who did Shovel Knight and DuckTales Remastered and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, yep. So uh, what other games did you see at GDC? Um, well, I this isn't really a game. I did see some other games, but I... I would be probably remiss if I didn't talk about my experience with the Valve VR stuff. Um, the what's it? The HTC Valve Vive. Um, that thing is so. I I was really like uh, one of my colleagues at Polygon, Ben Kuchera, had an appointment to uh, check that out, and he had already seen it. Um, so he kind of was gracious enough to split his appointment with me and let me spend about it was like a fifteen minute slot, so maybe seven minutes in it. Um, uh, it's really kind of amazing. I, as somebody who has liked my time with Oculus Rift and Crystal Cove, and I really actually liked Gear VR a lot. Um, I like the, the best sense of presence I think I've ever gotten from a VR thing prior to this was from a Gear VR game. Um, it's pretty fucking remarkable. Uh, like the, the game I was playing was a board game where, uh, and Ben has a full write-up of the game too, but it's like this board game where at the top of the game, you're standing on this game board and you have to step out of the game board arena to begin the game, but the game board arena is suspended in the sky and it was really hard to get myself to do it. Um, for part In part because I'm not used to walking around while playing a video game with yeah. goggles on, but also because it really just felt like I was stepping off a cliff completely. Um, I had to like kind of look straight ahead and close my eyes because I was, I was scared. Not that I was actually going to die in real life, but that there was going to there would there would, that visually there would be like a falling like I would fall straight down and then I, that would have really fucked me up. Um, but it was this really cool uh, sort of board game experience where I was handed these two in the game they were wands, but it was some sort of pseudo like it was almost like a hybrid of a move controller and a uh, the valve controller I guess. Um, but it was a really simple game. Uh, I remember really distinctly like grabbing the wand from the guy who handed it to me and being able to just like turn it over in my hand in front of my face and really examine it and look at it. Yeah. Um, I, I, so what I heard is uh, for people who are unfamiliar with uh, how most VR demos go, you kind of sit down in a chair and someone puts it on you and it's really uncomfortable and you sit there like trying to fix it to your face 
and they say, okay, I'm going to put the headphones on now and I'm going to hand you the controllers. And it's kind of like they're piecemeal putting your VR experience together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I heard from someone who did the Gear VR thing, or uh, sorry, the Vive, uh, is that they literally just like, there was a controller and they could just reach out and grab it based on where their awareness was through the VR. Yeah, I got it. That's super right cool. It was very convincing. Another thing I noticed is that every other VR experience I've had, specifically with the Oculus stuff, has been a little underwhelming just in terms of like I have noticed, and maybe it's just because my eyes are stupid and I wear contacts and stuff, but like I've been able I've been really distracted by the amount of blackness on the periphery of your vision like it's it's just really evident and distracting and i've never fully immersed by it um and well what i think oculus and gear do is they're taking one sort of big lcd display and splitting it down the middle and you're looking at two halves of it um the valve stuff the hdc valve stuff is like your it's two separate displays for each eye i think um and while there was some blackness like when i first put the headset on my instinct was to like break it right and kind of like look around like actually look move my eyes around and look at the outside edges you can see black there but like the minute you get immersed in it like after 30 seconds you are not thinking about it anymore it's really uh just outside of the point where it would be distracting or immersion breaking um and then like just the ability to walk around and the ability to like you're basically how it works is it's you're there's like a big table with like a castle two castles and like a dragon and a bunch of trees and like little dudes flying around in planes and um the ability to like you're basically what's happening is it's the whole table is uh up to about your neck and you're clipping through it so you're like really close to it and so you can really just like walk through it and like lean in really close and get a close perspective on every single element of it and Weird. It, it yeah it felt really natural like the first time you lean in and look at something closely and it just works uh that's amazing and just like really the the freedom of like moving around a whole room like walking around a room was really liberating in a way um yeah definitely the coolest vr experience i've had i i walked out of it just feeling i was i remember i was laughing the whole time almost (laughs) like i was smiling or laughing the entire way through that demo it was just so strange and like surreal and i remember feeling kind of weird for a little bit after uh that that definitely happened with me the first time i used the oculus yeah just feeling strange afterwards yeah i mean like it was just one of those giddy things of like wow that actually tricked me and Mm -hmm. like my body felt like it was in there yeah and i mean if you like anytime you hear any of the, the people working on VR talk about VR, they are all sort of chasing the same thing, which is a sense of presence. Like they throw that word around like crazy. And it's because that like, it's what we're both describing. I think when you feel tricked, when you feel like you authentically were in a different place, that's the meaningful experience about VR. That's the cool thing that like, that's what's special about it. And yeah. they all, I think rightfully are trying to find the, the most, reliable but also cost-effective way to to achieve that yeah well cool let's uh let's take a break drop a quick banger for y'all and then uh we'll come back with some more gdc and pax talk how about that nick sounds good cool well this is where are you now by skrillex and diplo from jack you i need you to i need you 
Welcome back. That was Where Are You Now by Skrillex and Diplo. We're going to continue on with the GDC and PAX talk. Because it's what we're doing this week. It's our full show, episode 12, coming back hot. 
We're bringing you some exclusive two-week-old news. Heck yeah. Because that's how we roll. Well, the cool thing about shows like GDC and PAX is that there are so many little games that would have otherwise flown under the radar that like everyone has at least one thing that they saw that nobody else really has heard of. So yeah. And you, I mean, like, yeah. I just ahead. would love to know what the things are about from PAX that you're still thinking about two weeks later. Oh, man. So the number one thing is Video Ball, which I've seen a ton and I've played a ton. But it's so much fun. Mm. Have you played Video Ball? Yeah, the, I played it. Uh, when was the last time I played it? Might have been at the like last GDC. Um, oh wow! Okay, but yeah, yeah. no, I I've played it at a few events. Um, it's pretty rad. Yeah. So basically, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's like I would say a mix of like air hockey and soccer in that you control something that is trying to shoot a puck into a goal, um, and you sort of have so you hold down a fire button. You are a triangle. It's two v two. Everything's uh, geometric. Yeah, shapes. and uh, you're holding down a button, X, uh, and you hold it for one second and it fires a really small arrow that you are using to attempt to both stun the other player, which when it hits them, they're stunned for a second, or to knock the ball into the goal. And that's the eventual goal is to knock one of three pucks, I guess, sliding around at any time into the goal. Um, but if you hold it for two seconds, it gets stronger. Three seconds, it's this huge shot. And then four seconds, it basically turns into a square, which then can be used to like block something or like defend certain parts mm-hmm. of it. you basically are, are pooping these you're squatting and leaving these squares on the ground not unlike box boy i told you i'm into the poop games all games come back to the poop games yep uh and it was actually just really funny for me because i played that game a fair amount um but also it was in the iron galaxy booth which is their publisher i believe mm-hmm. uh and there was a lot of people who had not played that game before um sort of what what happened when what ended up happening is i'd go back and play it so often that it usually be me and either one of the demo people or one of the devs uh playing it and uh once i found out that someone else there had played it my sole goal was to just stun them for the entire game interesting so so that they because they were obviously going to be better than me right right? so you throw yourself on that grenade for your teammate yeah i basically just said like yo you take this dude 1v1 I'm just going to stun the hell out of this dude until he gets really frustrated <laughs> and starts Smart. stunning me back. Uh, and it worked perfectly. Nice. Uh, it was really fun. And that game can just get like, it can get so hype uh, and so uh, just super competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a, that's it's a Tim Rogers game, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe. So I, is it just him? I have to believe that it's more I, people than just I him. Think he's got a, I know he has at least one dude who works close with him on like, some of the more coding-y stuff in yeah. his past projects. I don't know about this in particular, but yeah, I, I like one thing that I think you're kind of alluding to is that that game shows really well at events. Like, yep. yeah. you just, it's so, A, Tim is a phenomenal showman. Like, he's he's a great presenter, great commentator, I think. But also just like, it's, without even trying, that game draws a crowd and uh, you can immediately kind of tell what's going on after looking at it for like 20 seconds. It's just, it it demos very nicely. Yeah, I mean, people, like, there was one group of dudes who had clearly played it before, and we all were playing, and uh, halfway through they said, next match, money match, let's go. And it was just one of those things where, like, they were having so much fun in this one game that they were like, hey, we're going to play this again, forget everyone else waiting, and we're going to put money on it. Which is uh, really cool. It was uh, is that what happened? Did you do a money match? Uh, no, ball? they eventually got stomped really bad and rescinded on their uh, oh, their offer because I was gonna you know take some fool's money. That's super dude, that's, easy. 
that's just that's hustling 101 though you should have thrown that match so that you could get to the money match and then take their money yeah so it doesn't always work let me give you an example uh i was at a bar with some coworkers uh about a month ago uh for a birthday party and as we do we brought a uh super smash brothers melee setup and a crt to the bar yep to the bar tight uh some fine young drunk men came over and were like oh smash brothers i rock at this uh hey we got next match and it was very clearly like a we brought this whatever you guys sure so we eventually told them oh it's for money you have to play for money uh and they said okay well we have 25 dollars. we'll do five dollars first match twenty dollars second match we want to play against you two and they chose me who i am absolutely terrible i, I will fully admit that i'm terrible uh and a professional smash brothers player so it was one of the worst players versus one of the best players. Uh, and we decided to throw the first match and still won. It was uh, like actually bad to where he didn't get a kill. He was just setting me up and I was falling off the side on purpose. And somehow still we still getting kills. Yeah, we still won. Like, cause we were trying to make it not like super obvious, you know? So I'd like, he'd be setting him up and I'd come in and like get a kill. But we'd also just be, if there's a fight happening off to the right of the screen, you're just falling off the, the edge on the left side, right? Like, we were trying to make it so that we could get to that $20 match. It didn't happen. So the $20 match never transpired. They're like, you guys are too good? Yeah, while while trying to throw it. That's... Like, and that's one of the things about Smash Brothers. is like, everyone thinks they're really good, but no one is. Yep. Ex- like, you're only as good as your best friends around you, or, or mm-hmm. worst friends around you. So what are you doing, like, two on two? I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, two on two. I'm, I'm always so interested to like see that that scene in Smash appears to be growing or at least getting more shine than it used to. Like watching all those matches at Apex, the two on two stuff was totally fascinating for me. I, that's just a world I have no insight into. Yeah, I mean it's just cool because you get these combos where like people just do the most ridiculous things that would never be possible in one v ones and would never be possible in like you know free for alls. Uh, it's just a matter of like, oh, I know that if I'm Captain Falcon, I can throw my knee at him. And if my partner is Marth, he can like down shoot him off the side of the stage. Uh, it's just it's just a really cool dynamic. Yeah, characters um, who don't have meteors, for example, all of a sudden have friends who have meteors and you can like set each other up nicely. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a really cool way of doing combos. Uh, and that's exactly how video ball is. Yes. If only. Uh, it is 2v2, though, which is really neat. Yeah, so that was probably the game that I played the most of at uh, at PAX. There's also a game, Capsule Force, in the same booth. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a, what, Necrosofty or something uh, like that? No, that is Gunsport. Oh, jeez, right, okay. Uh, which I get they, all, all three of those games are always within feet of each other. Yep, at every yeah, that, I was just going to say, that is why it would be easy to mess up, which I also played that. I played Gunsport. Uh, from what I was hearing, it seems like it's somewhat early on, uh, and so there's still a lot of changes that need to be made, but it, it was a really cool concept. Uh and I'm sort of interested to see how that fleshes out over maybe, you know, the next couple months or year, however long it's going to be. Capital uh, Force is the one where, like, it's it's almost like Nidhogg, I guess? Yeah, That's you're, like, hopping on, basically just hopping on these trams trying to get to the left side, uh, or left or right side of the screen, respectively, while also firing lasers at each other. Uh, and your entire goal is to get to the far side of the screen and grab an orb. Uh, that is a game that you cannot play with people who have played that game before if you have not. Yeah, uh, it is very easy to be super lopsided and uh, unbalanced, um, and that also could have just been the fact that like the two people who we were playing with had no mercy and were just like purposefully trying to come at us as hard as possible. Uh, 
but it's it's a really interesting game and now that you equate it to nidhogg it sort of makes a lot more sense to me uh because i was a little bit confused before yeah but, it's it, it's not immediately obvious what you're doing i think when you walk past it but it's um i don't know i love the aesthetics of that game i love like the whole hyper like an, a Mega Man game yeah but it's like a Mega Man game with extreme like pastel artwork and kind of like a 80s mecha anime aesthetic for like yeah. the character design and menu design and stuff um, yeah it's a cool look for sure like if like if Mega Man was designed in 1980s miami basically. sure yeah uh yeah did, so did that, you play two player or four player four player okay see i've only done one-on-one which was Ooh. a pretty different experience yeah i'll have to try that uh try that next um another game that i saw that was pretty neat i'll just keep going on it since apparently i'm in the indie hour uh which by the way uh so the indie mega booth the way that it's laid out at pax east is you can never actually tell when you're in the indie mega booth because they kind of just throw all the indie games in one giant section uh they almost need like some purple carpet so that you know where it's at uh but one of the games actually in the the mega booth was uh 12 minutes which i don't know if you've heard of i have not what is 12 minutes so it's it's this top-down game uh that is uh basically about a guy coming home to find like his wife murdered sort Uh-oh. of Max like Payne. i mean like he's going through the motions of like she's still alive she's still alive and then all of a sudden she's not right and like so i don't want to get too far into it but you play out 12 minutes in real time and then it resets groundhog day style and you go at it again keeping the clues that you remembered before um and so like oh you see oh here i have a knife or here i have some keys so then next time when the cops come in and arrest you you can cut the like sort of zip ties that they put around your wrist uh the guy making it is one of the people working on The Witness, which is really interesting. Uh, oh, okay. And he's just doing it in his spare time. And he also said that despite it being 12 hours or 12 minutes of gameplay back to back, there's six hours worth of gameplay in there. And that he is currently just sitting there polishing uh, and not polishing. Uh, the, like the sh- skeleton structure of the game is in there and he is working on assets and music uh, and sort of everything else so the game is uh, complete in one sense uh, and just needs the other sort of 50 percent of it to be put in uh, it's super unique and i would actually encourage people to like maybe look a little bit more into it uh, or at least keep it on their radar and don't look into it so that when it comes uh which there's no date obviously since it's a spare time style thing from someone working on uh, a game that will come out by the time i'm 35 uh it is just like yeah yeah, yeah hopefully uh it's just a really interesting thing that i think people need to uh take note of huh you would like it it has an art style that suits you yeah i'm looking i'm looking at some stuff on it right now it's a it's it almost seems like a a super scaled down majora's mask situation man what does that even mean i don't know know. just like it's you know you've got a set amount of time you've got a couple of these things it wipes everything and sends you back to the beginning over and over and the only thing that has changed is you know where stuff is and what order to do it in kind of sure so i think so because of the way that the game works because someone can sit there and play for an hour and there was one station i didn't get to play the game Uh, i spent a, a long amount of time standing there watching and talking to the guy uh and so I'm under the assumption that you might be able to keep items even between playthroughs, but that might be incorrect, and that's likely incorrect. Um, but yeah, I, I would 
I now approve of your Majora's Mask comparison. Yeah, it seems... Uh, I would love to try it. Yeah. 12 minutes. It's, uh, it seems interesting. I only saw maybe one other notable game at PAX. And I don't even know that it's that notable. Uh, despite it having probably 35 times the budget of every other game we've talked about combined, and that is Overwatch from Blizzard. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, so that game, that game's kind of TF2-y. Yeah, yeah, I got that impression from the the gameplay stuff they've shown before. Yeah, and you're like straight up like locked in a room, and it's like this weird like medical bay type thing, uh, and then you get released and go attack <laughs> really? or, or defend. Yeah, that's pretty it's, specific. Yeah, uh, and there's like 14 different classes or something like that. Uh, I actually was changing uh, classes every single time I died, so I only got to see like three of them. Because I'm that pro. Uh, but it was really interesting to sort of see the... There is, like, a huge disparity between characters. And like, very drastic changes in the way that they can move. Like, only a couple of them had sprint. None of them really had, like, grapple... Or, uh, like, mantling or big jumps. They just kind of had, like, a one-time hop. Despite large portions of the map being made for other characters that can, like, wall run and do parkour and stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, which is actually kind of cool, I think, that, like... The map is clearly designed for all these characters, but, like, based on the way your class works, you might not be able to take a certain route around, uh, which is interesting. The game's obviously beautiful, um, but there's just, I feel like, and this probably also comes down to only being able to play two matches, but it seemed like there was a lot of work that should have been done to differentiate itself from, like, why you would play this over TF2. Yeah, I. it's weird, because, like, it's kind of... <sighs> Blizzard historically has kind of done this before. They're actually doing it simultaneously right now with Heroes of the Storm, Swarm, whatever that's called. Um, like taking an existing genre and maybe making it a little more approachable and stuff. Um, but to hear that it's like that the first 30 seconds of a match is exactly like the first 30 seconds of a TF2 match. Like right? what is what does that add other than invite the comparison? Like that's... Yeah. It's a weird thing to do. It's weird too. And at the same time, so uh one character I played is a dual pistol dude. And another person was a bow and arrow dude. Uh or lady, I don't remember. Uh and it was not always easy to tell if things were a one hit kill or not. Like there wasn't great feedback on how much damage you were doing. Uh which seems necessary in a game like TF2, which literally has like numbers pouring out of people, right? Uh it was it was it's just seemed like there was a lot that needed to be done for it and obviously like it's not out yet like this isn't like the final verdict on Overwatch uh but it seems like there's just a lot of uh maybe work that needs to be done on like okay we made the game look pretty we got some gameplay down now how do we make it actually fun to play yeah that's interesting to hear cuz to me like that game like lives or dies based on the the characters being enjoyable and yeah. and well balanced, right? And and they were is the thing. Like I never felt like, you know, my bow and arrow person couldn't withstand hits from this other person. Uh but I just don't know that one, there was enough to distinguish a lot of them, despite me earlier saying that they're so drastic. Like, uh both the the two shot gun dude and the bow and arrow lady felt very similar. Hmm. I don't know. It it just seems weird that, like, if they're clearly trying to win over the TF2 crowd, why are they making TF2? Why wouldn't they make, like, the next evolution of a game that came out 10 years ago? Yeah, that's, that's a little disheartening to hear that it's it's that exactly TF2. 
who knows it's probably got a ways to go i'm sure they'll uh beta it at some point and then change it completely so we'll see but that's pretty much it for like what i saw at pax other than that i was kind of just there to like watch some halo uh and uh do some panel stuff uh if any of you have watched uh paxamania the uh wrestling uh scenario that <laughs> yeah, i don't know what the noun is that <laughs> yeah that happened at uh pax you obviously saw, obviously saw that your boy won uh the first match that was not fixed by the way people there are some people saying that, that the only way i could win was if the match was fixed so i actually have not seen this year's events i i I would love to. Is there a place to watch that? Is that yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, I believe it's on Harmonix's YouTube channel. Uh, and explain the kind of the format for people who might not know what to <laughs> Yeah, so it originally started as, like, this giant, like, let's get 30 people to play the Royal Rumble of, like, WWF No Mercy for the N64. Or WrestleMania 2000, I think is what it was. It was WrestleMania 2000. Uh, and it's sort of devolved into people making characters for themselves. Uh, and doing real life trash talk videos uh and now it's basically just gotten to a point where it's just bottles breaking on people's heads and nine storylines that are actually probably better than what's going on in the real wwe uh and so what happened last time is that i was supposed to be in the royal rumble had a conflicting panel uh so in typical uh wrestling style me and dan reichert filmed a hit video where he attacked me in a stairwell it was really dumb no one laughed at it they kind of just booed and then only laughed when dan got there whatever it was still good uh so because of that i wanted to be in this time i got relegated to this like eight person gang beast match where the winner got to get back into the royal rumble or Ooh, get into the royal rumble like a loser's bracket situation yeah it was basically like the here's all these like people who we probably shouldn't put all eight of them into the royal rumble but let's we gotta at least give them some incentive to play so it was easy knew it'd be easy from the beginning uh there were some some wild cards thrown in there though so one, there's Eliza. Two, Mary Kish, and then three, Mister Mystery Man, Sweary. Whoa, wait, really? Yeah, which I was just as shocked as you were because he was standing backstage with us, uh, and I don't want to ruin his getup if you're gonna watch it. Um, but it was, it's really good. I could not tell it was him, and then when they called his name, he came out, and I felt really bad when I bodied him. I just I just picked him up and threw him straight over the rope. In game, of course, in game beast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already won, so whatever. But it was uh, it was really fun, and uh, it led to some crazy shenanigans. Uh, that <laughs> I'm actually constantly kind of surprised that they let that go on every year. Uh, a enforcer quickly came up to Dan Reichert after the show and said, "Your head is bleeding. Let's go find like a nurse's station of sorts." Uh, yeah, it's it's real interesting, and I'm super happy it happens. Paxomania trended in the U.S. Jesus, what? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Was that one of the ones that was streamed live? Yeah, it was streamed uh, live on Twitch, and then they posted it up on YouTube. Which, by the way, if you're gonna watch it, try and find the like the original stream of it. Because so what, here's what happened: is I'm not gonna exactly say how, but after I won, I popped off. Right? You know, you do your little celebration thing. They did the classic mistake in the YouTube version of keeping it on the gameplay too long uh-uh. to where by the time it cuts back over to the real life feed, the pop off had happened. And I look super lame. So, which 
I do it to myself. I know that. Uh, but it's definitely the way to watch it is uh, this other way. And it was super fun. Super fun. It's probably one of my favorite parts of actually going to PAX is just hearing about all the shenanigans that's going to go down there. Is there... So, wow, I found it. I also happened to find a YouTube playlist from the 2014 one of 19 different, like, uh, sort of announced videos and, like, promos. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of promos cut for these things. Incredible. I might actually watch 2014 first. You should. You should. It's way better. Uh... And so they, there's, this is the fourth one, technically. Uh, there was the three Royal Rumbles. Uh, and the first one is super funny because people actually were trying to play the game, which is cute. Uh, and, like, weren't too worried about all the other stuff. I'm sure wrestling uh, started the same way, though. Yeah, I mean, they were, like, actually trying to wrestle. And then they were like, wait, we could make way more money by doing random stuff. Mm-hmm. It does not at all matter. That's what you guys are in Taxmania for is the money. Yeah, the, the the good money of uh, Rich Gallup, who I don't know if you know, mm-hmm. uh, he spent $300 on breakaway glass. That's quite an investment. Yeah, so I, d- I, d- I doubt someone's in it for the money. That might be uh, the most expensive panel. That yeah, has. actually, though, the, but that's the thing is that I was going to say I'm surprised they let us back because it's also the dirtiest, right? Like there's straight up broken glass everywhere. Uh, there was blood, blood all over a table from Reichert. Uh it's it's crazy. Who and cleans super up fans' fun. blood in this situation like that? Yeah, I think it was like on a like sort of tablecloth thing, and so they probably just like rolled it up and <laughs> threw it out. That's Not exactly sure. Someone's gonna find it, and there's gonna be clones of Dan walking among us shortly. Oh gosh! The worst nightmare realized. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's Pax. It's super fun. Uh, I'm gonna be in the Rumble again this year, which is gonna be choice it's gonna be a lot of fun uh so you can look for me there i will make a comeback though obviously uh holding to my character of the whitest person ever uh that was the actual character that i went with um yeah yeah uh so yeah that was pax anything else from gdc that you can think of not really no not a lot of wrestling stuff there that i saw well why bother exactly uh one thing that i did see from there uh that you alerted me to mm-hmm. via a vine that has since been haunting my life in the greatest way possible is oh. uh, at the wild rumpus party. Yeah. There was a remix that went up mm-hmm. that was the legend of Zelda Ocarina tune and bands yeah. will make her dance by juicy J. I think it's specifically, it's the lost woods and, um, and bands make her dance. It's pretty good. Uh, that is, I found the, uh, you can find like the live mix on SoundCloud. Yeah, she just posted her, her whole mix from, uh, from this year's like set. And yes, is it, how do you say her name? Q Ryan? Uh, gosh, I just like, I had been saying it, uh, Q Ryan for a long time. And then I heard, uh, like one of the, her managers say Curion. And then recently she actually explained it on Twitter as uh, i'm not gonna be able to find it anyways q-r-i-o-n is the important yeah. part we will uh we'll put the link in the description uh if you're listening to this on itunes Ooh. and if not just search for it because there is about 95 remixes of it on vine now uh of things like when the hood got legend of zelda and things like that yeah and what's which is real interesting if you're curious also about uh the the song she was playing it's a dude named hitman h-i-t-m-a-n-e um, and that was sort of a track, um, it's called, what is it called? The, uh, 
It's Bands Make Her Dance uh, Hitman Kokori Mix. This is kind of a clever portmanteau of Kokori and Remix. I'm into that. Uh, and I don't think this dude had released the track, actually, until uh, Curion's Vine blew up. <laughs> and then he was like, all right, I should post this on SoundCloud. So if you search for Hitman uh, Juicy J on SoundCloud, you'll find it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, if you d- have not heard the song Bands Will Make Her Dance, it's probably not a song you're going to like. Uh, but it's it's really fun. I don't want to know anyone who doesn't fuck with Juicy J. Yeah, you're actually not allowed to listen to our podcast. You say no to Ocarina's Juicy J Kane. This has been Taking Turns, uh, episode 12. Uh, thanks for rocking with us again. Uh, we're going to get back on our regular schedule. Mm-hmm. We will now return to your regularly scheduled podcast. Like what I did there? Don't they normally say broadcast? I'm oh, just sure. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you know how fucking long it took me to realize that podcast was like a play on broadcast? It was a long time. It was like 10 years. I think that's the first time anyone's ever pointed that out to me. Yeah, that'll that'll stick with you. Wow. Okay. Um whoa okay mm-hmm. so well you can listen to us live every week on a uh, multiplayer on dash at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern on wednesdays it's uh it's a really great way to listen we sit there and tweet along you can answer us questions and sometimes we even throw in some stuff just for people listening live which is usually like free games and stuff uh if not find us on itunes we are the number one rated podcast on itunes yep for the seventh week running named taking turns uh it's uh, a great way to get us on the go. We sometimes post them on SoundCloud, if I can remember. Uh, but if not, just go to iTunes and leave us a great review, because those are the only reviews we accept. Mm-hmm. It's SoundCloud reviews. I mean, great, no, great reviews. Yep. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Alex Rubens. Nick's on Twitter, at Babylonian. And also on the YouTubes, at Babylonian. Yes, sir. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye.